All right. Well, that's kind of fun. We are starting a new series today. I'm excited about it, and uh, I apologize right up front because uh, it's called Centrifugal, and today's title is A Centripetal Community, and that just sounds really obscure. <laughs> and uh, so it, you have to excuse me and indulge me for sometimes uh, going to the obscure to try to make something clear, which seems like you shouldn't be doing, and they say you shouldn't, but here I go anyway. We're going to take some obscure words and try to make it more clear and get a hold of some truths that we really all need to hear at this time. And I say that because I know I need to hear this probably even more than you do. So before we keep going, let me just tell you where we're going with this. It's just two parts. Today we're looking at a centripetal community, and then next week we're looking at a centrifugal force, and actually when you put the two together, we have one sentence. We are a centripetal community with centrifugal force, and you're going, huh? All right, so we need to do some defining so that if that's not in your vocab, that uh, you kind of get an idea where we're going, and I will keep defining as we go, and hopefully by the time we're through with this series, you will never forget that we need to be both centripetal and centrifugal. I'm going to use some other words, too, to make it easy later. All right, so centripetal means, on the screen, moving or tending to move toward the center. And centrifugal means moving or tending to move from that center with ever-widening power. And so you can kind of get the sense of this, that we are a centripetal community that come together to move towards a center, and the center is Jesus Christ. And all our lives need to revolve around him in this orbital connectivity with Christ. And then from that center, he literally commissions us to go out in a centrifugal force. So we gather and we scatter, we gather and we scatter. But all of our lives are always centered around Christ. And then out of that centered around Christ, it is to be with force to go out. I've heard a theologian say that the Old Testament tends towards being a centripetal religion. It's all about gathering together. It's all about coming together at a temple worship setting. And yet the New Testament is about being centrifugal. It's all about going out. And our great commission is to go out into all of the world. But I'm here to say that God has not changed. We are, his people have always been to be centered upon him so that we have an impact upon others. Now, I have purposefully said up front that I probably need to hear this more than you. Here's why. Um, maybe you have experienced this like I have, in that the last year and a half or so, it's been rough. And you've noticed in relationships, relationships are more tense. And you've noticed that we, we avoid certain topics more frequently because everybody's more polarized than they've ever been. Let me just be real honest with you. I love ministry. I rejoice in the opportunity to be used by God. But this past season has been the hardest season of my life as a pastor. It has been the hardest season to the degree that um, I have been very centripetal in my life to survive. 
so very centripetal that I'm very intentional about centering on Christ and revolving around him and I'm just kind of going closer and closer and closer and just to, to survive so that I can be all that I can be for you and not just kind of go under. But I fail. I fail miserably in this question that I'm about to ask you. And here's this question. Are you too far away from those who are far away from God? And the answer for me, as it relates to my life, is absolutely yes. I'm too far away. In fact, if I could use the word far too many times, I'm far too far away from those who are far from God. It's like all of my relationships now have been revolved and centered around my relationships connected to the church. And that is not right. It's not right for me. It's not right for you. What takes place when that happens is that it's, it tends to be a mistake for those of us who have been walking with Jesus for a long time, and we're very centripetal and intentional in our centripetal rhythms of growing closer and closer to God. We're, we're wrapping our lives around central truths, and we're allowing those central truths to become part of who we are and how we think, and we just keep wrapping around those so much. We learn and learn and learn, but if we're not going out and connecting with those who are far from God, we're learning, but we're not living it okay and so we've got to get past that so i'm a recovering monk <laughs> that tends to be my tendency actually i'm becoming more and more introverted the longer i am in ministry and i'm not saying that in a way that i'm proud of it i'm not and so if you want to listen along to the rest of this series, I invite you to the monk therapy session that we might learn together how to be both centripetal, where our power comes from, and centrifugal in terms of moving out there. And so to do that, I have an image that's going to go with us in this series that is an image of really scientific explanations of how matter works with the nucleus being at the center, with the electrons rotating around it, it really, to me, is a picture of Christ at the center of everything, and we as individuals are orbiting around him, and that creates his world. Now, we're going to delve into that aspect, the connection between the physical realm and the spiritual realm, and that the same designer has designed both, and it's kind of fascinating as we look at some of that in a moment, just touch it briefly. But here's what's happening with me. If, if that's the image, and I'm an individual rotating around, it's almost like I'm rotating around, I want to be closer and closer and closer, and let the other people on the outside be the ones that shine for others on the way outside of that circle. They're not in a relationship with Christ. Let the others on the outside, you guys, interface with them. And God never lets us off. I'll be the first to admit, I do not have the gift of evangelism. I have the gift of teaching, so I can evangelize, I can teach the gospel. Anybody who's interested, I can teach you the gospel, but I'm not, you might think I have the gift of gab, but I use up all my words on Sundays. <laughs> my wife makes that joke, I make that joke, and I'm, I go too silent too frequently as it relates to relationships, and I'm, I'm like that awkward social person that I, I need to get past the hurts in community to where I'm open 
and able to enter into community and very literally I'm praying about and looking for all the natural ways that I already have that God has given me that I need to capitalize on to establish an evangelistic network of relationships, the people with real names that I'm investing in outside of this circle. Now I realize that my problems may not be your problems. Some of you, you may be very centrifugal but your centripetal rhythms are off, and so you're not experiencing a lot of power and fruit. So we're going we're gonna to talk about both of these areas and hopefully improve in these areas. Now, um, in, in reality, when we're rotating around Christ, uh, don't think of that as the picture of the church. And, and yet, uh, let's think of Christ as the shepherd, and he shepherds us both in the fold and out. He leads us in and out. Gather, scatter. Gather, scatter. We're still as close to him as we gather together and as we scatter out and do what he asks us to do. So we are a centripetal community with centrifugal force. And you've heard where I fail. I need to find where I am. Or I'll just keep preaching and you'll get something, but it's not what I planned. <laughs> so here's another way to put what I've said so far, and I'm going to use a little, uh, they might be still obscure terms, but they're easier terms. And we need to abide and abound. And these are biblical terms. Centrifugal and centripetal are not biblical terms. They're biblical concepts but they're not biblical terms. Now I'm going to turn to some biblical terms that define these concepts and help us to see it together, okay? So point number one is this, abide in Jesus, abide in Jesus. We're going to jump into a favorite passage of mine, um, John chapter 15, and we're going to jump in at verse 4, and I'll be reading out of the ESV because it does use the word abide. Abide in me. Now, before I move on, that too, for our current way of speaking, is an outmoded word. We don't usually talk about living in our abode. We don't usually talk about abiding in our abode. But that's a term that, that's what it means. You're living in your home, be at home, um, remain in, stay in, revolve around, be connected to, and this is the word, okay? Abide in me and I in you. Jesus says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So in just this reading, we've seen uh, two concepts that we need to connect with Jesus Christ if we're not connected and uh, if we're not connected, we're a dead branch. But we become a living branch when we connect to the vine. And that life from Jesus flows from him into us, through us, to bear fruit. And the fruit is good work, which produces other followers of Jesus. Okay? And so he it is that bears much fruit. If you want to bear much fruit, you have to have a centripetal life that is connected, and you have to have centripetal uh, rhythms in your life to have the word of God in your, in your life. We're going to read that in a moment also. So you need to abide in Jesus, abide in his word. We're going to read also. And then as a result of that, you will bear much fruit. 
All right, so point number two is abound in good fruit. So we, when we're talking about centripetally orbiting around Jesus Christ, we're talking about being at home in him, and we're going to talk about what that means more specifically as it relates to our own ways of thinking, our own choices in life, and the patterns that we have. We're orbiting around Jesus. We're gaining our meaning from Jesus. We understand what life is all about because of Jesus, because we're connected to him, abiding in him, living in him, at home in him. And if we are there, we will experience an abounding life that's fruitful and healthy and uh, shines, if you can picture that, that nucleus, shines for others to see that Christ is alive and real. It's so evident. And we're going to talk about that as the scriptures speak about it. So here's another place that we see this abiding and abounding. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, we read, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So if you're abiding in Christ, he makes grace abound to you so that you can abound in every good work. And he gives you everything you need to thrive in this life. And Peter says he gives you everything for life and godliness that you need. You have it all in Christ Jesus. Let's keep going, uh, skipping some, no, let's just keep going here in John 15. Did I read, I skipped, didn't I? Thank you, thank you for the nod of the head. John 15, so we're going back. John 15, six through eight reads this way. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Now I'm ready to skip the Corinthians passage and move to John 17, 15. We already read the Corinthians passage. You're not missing anything, okay? John 17, 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. It is not God's desire once he saves you to take you out of the world. Here's another way to put it. It is not God's desire for Jim Hammond that he becomes a monk. As much as Jim Hammond enjoys his monkish life, oh, just studying and learning and learning and just teaching, and that's all I do, and I love to just pray and get out in the desert and be away from people. God says, no, no, no. Jim, I never called you for this. I never prayed for this. I pray that you'll be kept from the evil one. And the evil one is literally tempting you to become isolated and to shrink away from my calling. Now, here I may overlap with some of the tendencies that all of us are experiencing a little bit where we are shrinking away from relationship connection because of what we're going through. And God says, wait a minute. Is that my calling for you? No. We need to draw into Jesus so that we will be a centrifugal force in relationships with those around us. Now, 
Many of you, unlike me, I mean, who are working out there, you have lots of natural relationships with people to talk to and love and be a part of and talk about Christ and let Christ be just shine from you. The question is, is it happening for you? Or perhaps you're missing the centripetal rhythms that just shine through you and you abound in fruit. And it's all unconscious. You don't even try. It just bubbles out of you because you're meeting with Christ. And when people interact with you, it's like, what is it about you? Okay? So I'm not sure where you are at, but you can listen in with where I'm at, and maybe it'll touch your life a bit. So here is a review of where we've talked about so far. As a community of believers, we need to be both centripetal and centrifugal, abiding and abounding. Make sense so far? All right, so having said that, point number three is this. Everyone needs a center. What's yours? I want to be a little bit more specific and craft my phrases more carefully here. Maybe a really good question to ask yourself is this one. When are you not abiding in Jesus? And when you're not abiding in Jesus... Where are you abiding? When you're not at home with Jesus, what is it that you're making home? I'm going to keep asking questions to get at that, but to get at that a little bit better, I'm going to read from the message translation, John 15, verse 7. And in the message translation, this is how it reads. Just listen. I'm not even putting it on the screen. But if you make yourselves at home with me, that's how he translates the word abiding in me, if you abide in me, if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you. Now, how at home are Jesus' words in your life? If Jesus' words are foreign to your life and they don't just swirl through your thought processes, how far are you from the center? Okay? So let me read it again. But if you make yourself at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. Now, if you want a powerful life, center yourself on Jesus. Be at home in Jesus. Constantly touch base with Jesus. Revolve your life around Jesus. Now, even though I have a whole bunch of room to grow, a whole bunch of room to take steps from wherever I am to where God wants me to be. I have seen Jesus in my life show up so much as I draw near to him, draw near to him, draw near to him, and rotate my life around him, and think about him, and memorize scripture, and and boom, it just pops out in places that I didn't expect for it to pop out, because I'm giving him, giving, uh, hanging on to tools. It's like I got tool bags hanging on, and then he puts me in a situation, oh, there's this tool. And it just kind of comes up. And if you just call me and ask me to quote something in a, in a moment, it's like, ah, I need to review that. But in the moment when the Spirit needs it, it's like, bing, it's, it's got a crease in there. The, I just shouldn't say it's. The Holy Spirit has a crease in there that I have put that in as a tool. He calls it up and it's like, whoa, I didn't know I had it that, down that good. And I'm just starting to rattle it out in the moment where he needs it most. I wasn't going to go any place like that. Sorry. I'm just going all over the place. So 
Let me keep going with some carefully crafted questions now. Do you think Jesus would say something like this to you? I have made my home in you, but you still keep your home in other places. To make me your abiding place, you need to learn to find your comfort and fulfillment in me. I'm a stress eater. That's why it's very dangerous to work at this place. There's snacks all the time. (laughs) And there's stress all the time. And I have to learn that Christ will fulfill me and that craving to feel whole and be at home and feel that at-home comfort feeling far more than any snack or any warm cup of coffee or anything that I go to as my abiding place. And that thought that I go to over and over again that say, this really stinks, or whatever that thought is that might be my go-to thought that's sort of a cynical thing that, ah, people, you know, whatever, that's a comfortable at-home place that I go to that is not abiding in Jesus. It's just hung on to an error, a deception that the enemy uses. Where am I going to go to and be at home in and derive comfort from and then the resources that I need to cope? Jesus is the answer. If I would just stop instead of go to the snack, which is a left-hand turn from the hallway, Okay? If I took a right-hand turn from the hallway into the auditorium just worshipped, I would probably not crave the snack. Actually, I could tell you it works. I've done it a few times, and I need to do that more. So we need to ask ourselves, where do I abide when I'm stressed? What is my go-to comfort, place, space, activity, or thought habit? What becomes my center during stress or hurt? How can I change that? Everyone rotates around a center. What's your center? What's your abiding place? Is your center off-center? For many, self-indulgence is their comfort. I'm not pointing fingers here. Self-indulgence is a creepy thing that sneaky thing that I like to ignore. And self becomes the center. But we all know self-centeredness doesn't bode well for relationships. We all know that self-centeredness isn't an answer for community. We all know self-centeredness begins to cause societies to self-destruct. And so... Actually, we have many human answers that try to answer that self-centeredness problem. So there's politics to try to solve that. There's laws to try to solve that. And there's religion that tries to solve that. And typically, we try to solve it with these boundaries we focus on so that self-centeredness doesn't cross these boundaries. And everything gets boundary-focused. And what I have discovered is that that was where the Old Testament tended to misunderstand God as it become boundary-focused instead of relationship-focused. Instead of loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, which was always God's intent, we started fixating on not crossing the boundaries. 
But if we were centered, we would actually go with Jesus, crossing a lot of boundaries that religion says don't cross. And Jesus started crossing boundaries and really confusing people. Boundaries that were oral, interpretive, and taking the truth into places that upset the religious community. Why are you hanging out with the sinners? Well, because I didn't come to save righteous, because if they think they're righteous, I can't really save them. That second part is my interpretation of that. Okay? But I've come to save sinners. And so he came out of glory down into the dungeon, outside of the comforts into where it's uncomfortable, outside of the comforts of heaven to where he's literally going to take on the pain of sin to the point of death to save people. And then he tells us, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. So we have to be so close to Jesus, we go to places that are painful, willingly. Aren't you glad you came? <laughs> oh. And that's how I feel sometimes. Aren't I glad I read this mirror that interprets me so well? John 13, 35 reads, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So when we come together even, and the way we come together in our small groups, and the way we come together outside of our small groups, but still because we love each other in our small groups, and people begin to see that we're really doing life, and loving each other, and caring for needs, and they see that, they go, whoa, this is what Jesus says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So Jesus created this beautiful, compelling, centripetal community that is observable. And how do we get there? By abiding in him and allowing that love from Jesus to go outward from us. And so that we don't define ourselves by being self-centered but Christ-centered. Colossians 1.17. I said I'd touch on this. I'd like to touch on this powerful verse. I urge you to read the context, which makes it very clear we're talking about Jesus here and not God the Father alone. We're talking about Jesus Christ in Colossians 1.17. And he, Jesus Christ, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And I believe that the picture, the image that I shared with you about the nucleus and the electrons rotating around that, that actually is the science's model for matter. <laughs> it's so mysterious. I always think of matter as solid, but according to science, there's more space in matter than matter. Why does this matter? Oh, anyway. Uh, uh, <laughs> It matters for, for this reason, as I see it. First of all, Jesus is the one that solves the mystery where science goes, what causes these electrons to rotate around this center it is this magnetic pull as well as this centrifugal push. And it's all space more than it is matter. And why does that create matter? It's because the mystery is solved because Jesus is the one that holds all matter together. He created it. He holds it all together. And 2 Peter 3, 
I had to make sure it was 2 Peter, not 1 Peter. 2 Peter 3, you might not read this. There comes a point in time when he stops holding it together. In all the heavens, the matters of the heavens, in all the earth, the matter and earth, he stops holding it together and it dissolves. <laughs> and it, it just disintegrates by fire for the purpose of wiping everything clean and creating a new heavens and a new earth without sin accomplished by the accomplished work of Jesus. And so I just want to jump ahead to the end of the whole Bible, a powerful picture that we all anticipate and look forward to, um, and that is Revelation 7, 17. In Revelation 7, 17, for the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. Wow. The lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of the water of life and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Jesus Christ is the center and he's always the center. He is king and he's the king of all and every knee will bow, every tongue will confess and the issue is on which side of that circle will you be? On the inside of the circle or on the outside of the circle cast away from Jesus because you chose to reject him. And Jesus has done all this for us so that we can be centered on him. He made it possible to be centered not by religion, we can't do it, not by good works, we can't do it, but by what he has accomplished by his shed blood on the cross. If we accept his shed blood to allow the forgiveness and the atoning work to take place in our life, literally our sins can be buried with him in the crucifixion, and as he was raised from the dead by the powerful resurrection, power of the Spirit himself, raising his dead body in the first fruits, when there's first fruits, there's the rest of the fruits, the results of his resurrection, we can join him in a resurrected life. This is not story, this is not parable. If he literally did not raise from the dead, we of all people should be pitied. We're not, we're not studying a story we're studying a historical reality that all the apostles staked their lives on and were ready to die for. Whatever you're ready to die for is what you're really living for. I'm centering my life on the Lord Jesus Christ and Lord Jesus, I need your help. Because I'm still self-centered. I need to come back to you and come back to the cross and ask you to forgive me. I want to be centered upon you. I'm signing up. Send me. I know, I'm an introvert. You can help me. <laughs> Set it up. I'll show up. I'll do the best I can. Give me the words, even though I uh, use them all up. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for powerful truths about relationship with you embedded in creation, embedded in your word, special revelation, and now embedded into our hearts. I pray that if there's anybody here that's kind of looking in from the outside, there's a desire to draw near to you and to take steps toward the center, rotate around you and find meaning, value, joy, rejoicing in the middle of all this chaos in life, and to have such joy that we're willing to step out without fear 
into the relationships that need redemption, reconciliation. People who are far from God that need love, make us agents. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We have a prayer team over to the, my right, your left of the stage. If you need prayer about anything, we hope you head that way. Hope to see you back next week for the second part of this series. God bless you.